When it comes to cybersecurity, the biggest threats are the ones you never see coming. SecureWorks detects and responds to cyber attackers' ever-changing tactics. We come armed with Tagus, a security analytics platform designed to recognize attacks and stop them before they do harm. SecureWorks, defending every corner of cyberspace. Learn more at securityweekly.com forward slash secureworks. The shift to remote and hybrid work over the past two years has accelerated application development on cloud infrastructure. However, securing these new assets has lagged behind. Qualys CloudView, the next generation of cloud security posture management, delivers an end-to-end multi-cloud security and compliance solution encompassing the entire application lifecycle from build to runtime. CloudView enables enterprises to assess their cloud security and compliance posture, identify risks and gaps, auto-remediate issues, proactively enforce best practices, and prove compliance in audits rapidly and efficiently. Identify your most vulnerable cloud assets by visiting securityweekly.com forward slash Qualys. Don't forget to check out our library of on-demand webcasts and technical trainings at securityweekly.com forward slash on-demand. All right, so our second interview today uh, is sponsored by ExtraHop. Edward Wu joins us to talk about an MRI for the cloud, network data for cloud visibility detection and IR. Edward is a senior principal data scientist at ExtraHop, holds over 10 ML and cybersecurity patents, and is a contributor to the MITRE ATT&CK framework. Welcome to the show, Edward. Thank you, Grabby, here. Yeah, glad to have you here. Uh, definitely a uh, you know great topic. Um, you know, very very interesting topic. Uh, you know, we we were just talking about how it's um, you know visibility in the cloud has has been much improved since the different cloud vendors have added the ability to grab flows, uh, you know, to peer into network data. You know, I, th I think um, <laughs> there was this kind of awkward time in the cloud where to get that data, you kind of had to fool around with routing in your VPCs and and stand up like, like an EC2 proxy or something like that and funnel all your data uh, through a, an actual appliance in the cloud, which was uh, not not ideal, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in the last few years, the network as a data source has been more heavily adopted by the practitioners, which obviously prompted the big cloud service providers to improve their support for the acquisition of the network data in the cloud. Um, obviously, VPC flow logs and flow logs of various types is one example. But in addition to that, various cloud service providers also improved the ability to mirror full packets from different workloads as well. So before we dive in too deep uh, into some of the details there, uh, help, help me understand what you do at ExtraHop. As, as a senior principal data scientist, um, you, you know, it's, 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 uh, I, I can think of that going in a bunch of different directions, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm kind kind of interested in, in what your role is there, and 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 what kind of stuff that you get to get to play with in your job, because it sounds like it'd be really mm -hmm. interesting stuff that you get to do. Yeah, yeah. So I I definitely have many different hats at Actual Hub. Um, you can say my day job is leading our AI ML and detection products. So that involves building new machine learning models. 
building detection capabilities and machine learning infrastructures that enable our cloud-based machine learning service to detect, um, as well as help our customers to investigate potential cyber attacks in their networks. Uh, but in addition to leading our AI, ML, and detection efforts, I'm also spearheading our product expansion to cloud workload security, um, because obviously cloud workload is a key part of the future of IT. And we as Actual Hub do see a tremendous need and opportunity where um, right now the security teams are struggling to understand um, different aspects of the workload that's running in their cloud accounts. And we felt like our technology uh, could help. So just to clarify, because uh, in, in my head, I I might have an old school definition of cloud workload uh, security, but generally mm -hmm. workload to me, you know, sounds like you're installing an agent or somehow getting uh, telemetry from the from from a, a system where you control the operating system. But, you know, maybe that also extends to containers and and uh, more abstracted, uh, maybe even serverless stuff. So, you know, help help me understand what you what you mean when you say uh, cloud workload. Yeah. So, by cloud workload, um, we are defining any code that executes in a customer's cloud accounts to to be cloud workload, and obviously that includes the traditional. Um, subset of cloud workloads that most people are familiar with, such as infrastructure as a service, uh, as well as uh, containers. But in addition to that, there are also other types of workloads in the cloud, such as platform as a service, serv serv um, so as well as serverless. And uh, actual hub, um, our focus is to utilize network data um, to provide comprehensive visibility as well as detection insights to all types of workloads in the cloud. Because as you mentioned, um, a lot of legacy cloud workload techno security technologies rely on the installation of agents. And obviously agents is one of the three foundational data sources for cybersecurity. Um, however, there are many practical challenges with the deployments as well as coverage of agents in, in the cloud. And that's where network data uh, could help. Gotcha. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> so I imagine you know you'd be collecting. Um, it, we we mentioned flow logs, but in in addition to that, um, you know perhaps uh, logs from the control plane itself. You know, so so uh, CloudWatch. You know, stuff like that. Uh, you know, and 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 maybe other. Uh, I guess more function-specific cloud data, so not necessarily from the cloud, but from you know systems that live. Uh, you know, you said pretty much everything in, in in any code that runs inside the the cloud instance. Yep. So I, I, that's a lot of different stuff. How do you how do you decide? Like, is is the goal to grab all of it and then sort things out, or is it more? Uh, you know, you mentioned you work with uh, customers on some of these problems. Is this something where you more add the different uh, sources of data as you need them to solve a problem? Yeah. So as a data scientist, you, <laughs> my natural intention or inclination is to grab all the data um, <laughs> yeah. first. But obviously, practically, that that's not uh, very easy to do for a variety of reasons. Um, and right now, our focus is starting with the data sources that we are most familiar with, 
as well as we are are most differentiated at and can unlock uh, differentiated customer value. And that the, the starting point of that is flow logs as well as full packets. Um, and the reason being, um, obviously, there are many types of workloads in, in the cloud. And from our perspective, um, if, if you look at cloud workloads, there are actually two planes of behaviors. There is the what we consider as the CSP management plane. So those are the things such as like IAM roles, credentials. And then there's the traditional data plane where you can say packets fly across different devices. Um, there are a lot of existing site, uh, cloud security solutions that focus on management plane. There are a lot of tools out there that can detect public facing or S3 buckets. There are tools that can detect IAM privilege escalation, uh, stuff like that. But um, that's only part of the cloud workload security. Another part of the cloud workload security lies within the data plane, which is where kind of traditionally attackers and defenders have been fighting with each other um, in the on-prem data centers as well as corporate networks. Um, right now, attackers are um, utilizing a lot of cloud um, management plane techniques because the lack of tooling and the lack of uh, the relative immaturity um, in a lot of the deployments out there. But we do anticipate that over time, as people do a better job locking up public-facing S3 buckets, uh, as well as patch, uh, plugging some low-hanging fruits, such as uh, IMDS v1 and some of the IAM credential misuses and, and low-hanging exploits, um, we, we do anticipate the attacker to be dr driven back to the traditional data plane where attackers, in order to break into a system um, in, in the cloud, they still have to rely on traditional approaches, uh, s such as uh, obviously network remote code execution, exploits, brute forcing, um, as well as lateral movement and various pivoting techniques. And this is the data plane of the cloud workloads is one um, that we at Actual Hub is focusing on right now. So your your coverage across these different areas, specifically infrastructure as a service, IaaS to uh, service as a service, SaaS, and platform as a service, PaaS, certainly there's different data sources from a logging perspective and being able to incorporate those different elements into how you can capture and have some good visibility around those environments. What are some of the challenges that you find uh, in in monitoring these systems and, and providing some good detail for your customer as far as how to track potentially malicious activity, especially when infrastructure as a service, you could potentially have an agent as well as some uh, log flow data, as well as some network data. Whereas with service as a service, you're just going to get log data, you know, event log data. Yeah, that's a great question. And I don't think we have a perfect answer right now, uh, but there are definitely a few key points we have observed after working with customers. Uh, to help them secure their cloud workloads, as well as ourselves. Um, I would say the first point is security teams and development teams move or application teams move at a different pace. And for a long time, um, even for on-premise data centers, we have observed this kind of velocity gap where the application teams will deploy certain application and then the security teams will catch up. Um, to, to those new applications and start to add in or bolt on additional security controls. Um, and actually this phenomenon or this delay is 
exponentially worse or larger in the cloud uh, from our perspective, because cloud enables developers and application uh, owners to innovate and build at a much faster pace than they were able to uh, within the on-premise data centers. And because of that, um, one aspect we notice is very important uh, for the cloud workload security teams is the ability to monitor assets and secure assets with uh, in a very non-intrusive way so that they don't stop or impede the velocity of the developers. And because of that, a lot of times, some of the traditional cloud workload security uh, data sources, such as agents and logs, um, could could be a little bit tricky to deploy uh, because they involve some sort of consent as well as collaboration uh, from the developers or application owners. And in comparison, network as a data source, either it's the flow log level metadata or full packets, neither of those two types of network data sources require explicit consent or collaboration uh, from the application owners and the developers. And from our experience, the non-intrusiveness of the ability to provide visibility um, is really important for securing cloud workloads. Oh, good. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, Follow-up question around that, though. When you're looking at these different types of sources, so say you're looking at event log uh, information from the SaaS component of the cloud, say Azure, because that's what I'm familiar with. Uh, so you're looking at Azure AD uh, event logs. How uh, do you go about correlating those, leveraging uh, ML or AI in, in your system in order to correlate that sort of activity with what's occurring in the IaaS platform? So Azure, for this example, as far as ensuring that what activity is occurring is expected or appropriate, or could it be potentially malicious? Like, what are some of the triggers that you're looking at around that? Yeah, that's a good question. So one thing I do want to preface by saying right now, at this moment, we are not um, really looking at Azure AD data specifically. Um, right now, we are primarily focused on network data sources, which, as I said, are flow logs as well as uh, full packets. Um, and in terms of correlation between the two types of network data sources, uh, obviously, there are a, a few keys or identifiers that are fairly static, right? For example, um, see, every cloud resource generally has a unique instance ID. And obviously, a single instance could have different IP addresses assigned to them over time, or even different MAC addresses. But by correlating IP addresses, we observe from the network data sources uh, with the instance metadata, such as the uh, globally unique instance IDs, that give us a really strong indicator um, or identifier to correlate different behaviors. Um, and in addition to that, uh, I think you mentioned, uh, obviously, within Azure, there are certain services that you have, like the only way to get visibility is through log or event integration. Um, but from our experience for a lot of the other um, type of, you can say, workload or compute-based services, um, for at least AWS specifically, um, and Obviously, Azure and GCP have their own variants of flow log capabilities. Uh, but at least within AWS, one concrete example will be for Lambda functions, uh, which is a type of serverless offering in AWS. You can actually get flow logs from Lambda functions. 
Um, and that's also really powerful uh, and really allows security companies like us to uh, provide comprehensive visibility so that when we have a Lambda function that's talking to a um, like elastic load balancer that's talking to a web server running on EC2 instance, um, by we, we will have end-to-end -end visibility by joining the flow log um, behaviors uh, we monitor on the Lambda functions along with the full packets that we could mirror from the load balancers in the middle, as well as the servers running uh, on the EC2 instance. That's really fascinating. I had no idea you could get flow log data from Lambda. So that's that's very interesting. I learned something new today, so I appreciate that. Um, so uh, relating to what you were talking about with with the IaaS and getting uh, the IaaS components and getting flow logs and network information, one of the challenges that I've seen customers have certainly is different capabilities across the different IaaS, or at least the primary IaaS platforms, from AWS to Azure to GCP. Um, also with that are the different capabilities from a security perspective, but also just in general, what, what can be done with those different platforms and having different nomenclature across them. How are you um, with ExtraHop providing that visibility for customers and sort of for customers that are in all three, because certainly I've seen customers that are definitely in AWS and Azure, but also GCP. How are you helping customers provide that or, or provide that cohesive visibility across the multiple cloud platforms as well as the on-prem platforms so that they see the cohesive um, single pane of glass, so to speak, across mm -hmm. those so they have a good understanding of what's happening? Yes, that's a super interesting question. And I would say it's a continuous challenge, right? Like with the rise of the big cloud service providers and their interest in locking customers and differentiate, they kind of fragment the developer experience. Because nowadays, as a developer for AWS, you get to use things that are quite different from a developer's uh, working on GCP or Azure has. And this kind of developer or fragmentation um, definitely makes security companies as well as security teams' jobs uh, quite difficult. Uh, for ActuHub, we have a two-pronged approach. The first approach is uh, relying on the fact that hey, network packets is network packets, regardless if they are flying through AWS data centers or flying through Azure data centers. TCP is still TCP, HTTP is still HTTP, and DNS is still DNS. And thanks to this, um, essentially network data being the common denominator uh, across all three or all large cloud service providers, as well as on-premise data centers, uh, that give us a really solid foundation to build our analytics um, because we are relying mostly on network data, which is, you could argue, to some extent, um, very similar, if not exactly the same, across all environments. Uh, but on top of that, we do have to make a number of per CSV, sorry, per CSP product changes. For example, the type of metadata you can ingest from different CSPs is different. Um, in addition to that, different CSPs have specific um, background traffic, for example, that the tool or the product will need to be better at understanding um, and different CSPs obviously have different have subtle differences that either introduces new detection um, opportunities or introduce, you can say, potential new attack 
vectors or tag techniques that as a security product, we need to pay more attention to. Great, thank you very much for the answer. All right, so so talking about some of the use cases here, you know, I think we we mentioned um, IR, you know, we we mentioned um, uh, you know a few different things there. Maybe we can dive into uh, some of what what customers are are doing with the products, you know, where where they're finding value in it, and um, you know what most of all, like like what do you see in in, in this product that really turns the light bulb on for customers and, and makes them realize kind of kind of the value out of it, you know, that they weren't getting anywhere else. Yeah. So uh, from our experience, there are multiple value propositions of our product. Um, the most foundational one is probably the pure visibility of the uh, of seeing something that previously they had no visibility into. And one concrete example would be uh, kind of similar in, in kind of, you can say, physical security. Um, when, when you turn on a light in the room, you start to see different pieces of furniture or so items on the floor um, in a room. Um, enabling, uh, turning on the visibility for cloud workloads oftentimes has a similar effect. Um, and one concrete example will be um, when we first were testing our product, we actually turn it on in our own data center. And we also actually noticed something that's quite interesting where we had a database service and we actually noticed a specific Lambda functions that's querying this database service very periodically. And for a while, everybody was, was scratching their head a little bit and, and wondering like, why, why is that Lambda service hitting? Um, or that Lambda function hitting the database service. But after a while, after tracking down the owner and looking at the code a little bit, uh, we figured out, okay, it's a periodic database cleanup job uh, that our data engineers have built. Um, but as a security team, when you get this kind of visibility where you can see what's actually happening to the workloads, um, that provides a lot of opportunities. Um, for both knowledge, um, because obviously you cannot secure something you don't know what it is supposed to do, uh, as well as other areas such as basic asset inventory, dependency mapping, uh, as well as posture management. Yeah, there's an allegory uh, a friend of mine loves to use where, you know, he says you you walk up on, you know, you're walking down the sidewalk and and uh, you come upon somebody uh, searching for something on the ground uh, and uh, and they're searching under a streetlight. And uh, you say, did you did you lose something? And they say, yeah, yeah, I lost my keys. You say, did you lose your keys here? And they say, no, I lost them over there, but I can see what I'm doing here. You know, so <laughs> I'm searching over here. Yep. And I, I I think that's a good allegory for, you know, for what you're talking about here, where people will use the tools they have, you know, and, and oftentimes it's it's easy to forget uh, that, you know, there's stuff in the dark, you know, in those other places. Like, you know, I think Lambda's a, a great example there because it wouldn't even occur to me that you could get um, flow logs from Lambda. I, I, I wouldn't even... I wouldn't even look for it. Like, like I, I would, I would have just naturally left those out. Yeah, 
Yeah, having flow logs enabled um, or having Lambda functions generating flow logs is definitely a big plus to, I, I, from my perspective, to the entire security community because Lambda functions are a little bit obviously more difficult to secure. Like you cannot install agents mm -hmm. on Lambda functions um, and, and Lambda functions, because they are so lightweight, you can say most or a lot of times they are not very high up on the asset inventory list versus like EC2 instances or databases. Right. But Lambda function can execute a lot of code. There are have been attack tools out there that actually um, allow attackers to create backdoors using Lambda functions. Um, and those of the techniques uh, obviously that definitely makes security teams' uh, life quite difficult. Um, but but yeah, having network visibility to serverless um, workloads is super powerful and it also makes sense, right? Because to some extent, at the end of the day, the purpose of a workload is to create some value or execute some automation. Um, and because everything is so interconnected, um, it makes sense for the workloads to continue to obviously communicate through the network with, with other workloads. And even when one cannot install agents on those workloads, um, as I mentioned earlier, network data continue to be like a very large, or you can argue to some extent, the biggest common denominator across all type of workloads. Yeah, I, I imagine one of the you know, some of the big value of a product like this, um, you know, and it, it kind of goes along with how I used to train uh, uh, incident handlers, is that if you don't have a good baseline for what's going on in your network, you know, there, there's a lot of, and even talking about kind of the, how people use Lambda, uh, there's a lot of weird stuff going on that might look malicious, but it's just your company does something in a weird way, um, you know, or, or a non-standard way. You know, even in commercial software, you know, I often see, uh, you know, companies doing things a certain way because it works, you know, but it looks really sketchy. It, it looks like something only an attacker would do. Um, so I imagine, is that one of the use cases? Is that, do your customers spend a lot of time just going through? Uh, and is that an option where, where they can kind of use the product to understand their environment better, you know, and to get kind of a baseline on, you know, say, for example, I'm investigating an EC2 instance, like, I, I need to know what it normally talks to, right? Like, I, I need to understand what that baseline is, like, is the thing I'm seeing normal for this box? Or is, is this an anomaly? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So there are different a few different ways to use a product and leverage our visibility. Obviously, the easiest way to get started is probably to just manually use a product and because um, we have really great visualization on different behaviors of different assets or uh, workloads within the account. So one could definitely pivot to that. Uh, one could actually also plot an activity map or a application dependency map showcasing, okay, for a given EC2 instance, like who else is this EC2 instance talking to? And sometimes to be frank, looking at the dependency or activity map of an EC2 instance uh, provides more operational context than looking at the labels that developers or tags that developers have added. Uh, because a lot of times developers don't do the best job in the world describing 
uh, or even naming the different workloads or EC2 instances, uh, but the behaviors don't lie. Um, so by looking at the behavior of specific workloads, uh, the security teams can quickly identify um, the intended use of that workload and make, you can say, intelligent decisions on whether the observed behavior on the network of a given workload matches intended use of that workload. So that's one aspect. Uh, another way to use our product, obviously, as a data scientist, we, we didn't um, let, let go the opportunity to build machine learning models in this case as well. So our product actually has many built-in machine learning models that also kind of performs this kind of analytics uh, for our customers. So one example would be, let's say there is elastic load balancer, and then there are a bunch of web servers behind the single elastic load balancer. And if we start to see maybe one of the web server starting to communicate outbound, for example, establishing an outbound um, LDAP connection, um, our machine learning <laughs> model will actually catch that S automatically subtle, as well. Subtle log for shell reference there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, we, Sorry, we, we also have machine learning models um, as well to, to perform this type of analysis. Yeah, so sorry, interrupted there. You're you're right at the end, but you know, I I, I noticed that was probably a log for J, log for shell reference. Um, do you have any anecdotes or examples? You, you know, of this uh, obviously anonymous, um, or you know, I don't know if you have any that uh, um, have been cleared uh, to talk about publicly, but you know, any any examples of stuff that uh, you know customers have used the product to to intercept or find you know, like maybe in a attack in progress or something like that, that, that you can share? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I, unfortunately, I'm not at liberty to share any of those war st stories right now. Um, but, I, but I will share one thing, which is um, actually pretty interesting because um, when we were um, testing our product capabilities, Obviously, we deploy a lot of these. Uh, we we deploy like the beta version or alpha version of our product internally, and we 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 definitely during the process we didn't obviously detect any attacks or real attacks within our own data centers, but we definitely detected or saw a few you can say kind of unexpected behaviors, um, in, in the sense that like I said, because developers and application owners move so quickly. A lot of times somebody just toss up a random EC2 instance and have it do something and then forget about it. So over time, like the team start to forget, okay, we actually had that EC2 instance over there doing something super important. Um, and when we actually deploy our product internally and use it, we, we, we kind of our application teams and security teams actually use our product to identify, you can say, a few previously unknown or maybe forgotten quirks, um, quirks about um, uh, our own workloads, uh, which I think is pretty cool because like I said, a lot of times um, it, it is very important to um, understand the workloads when, when you try to secure them. Because ultimately um, you can say, obviously different people have different definition of secure, but one could argue uh, one definition of secure will be the workloads behaving with malicious intent, um, new behaviors that are not 
expected uh, for the original use of that workload. And in order to detect some of these, the security teams as well as application teams really need to have a good understanding of what are all the workloads in the environment, what exactly are they doing, and what each workload, uh, what behaviors each workload are expected to be observed. And our product provides a great validation uh, and sometimes offer opportunities of discovery as well to identify, you can say, unknown artifacts or previously unknown behaviors, but that are actually benign, but but somebody forgot about. And to some extent, we we saw a lot of these cases for our on-premise customers as well. Uh, when they turn on a product, a lot of times they discover, oh, I didn't know I have a database over there that five of my most important application servers are still talking to. I was we were actually about to turn off that rack because we saw nobody is talking to it and stuff like that. So so this kind of general workload visibility um, it, it is tremendously valuable. Yeah, I think if you told somebody 40 years ago that computers would be so cheap and easy to deploy that you forget about them, you know, like like they're <laughs> like they're socks, you know, like yep. I need more socks. You know, I'm missing I'm missing sock pairs here. Um, it's it's yeah, it, exactly. it's funny. But yeah, it happens all the time. You know, maybe you do a uh, proof of concept, you know, maybe the, uh, you know, the, the PR team, you know, stands up, uh, you know, temporary infrastructure or WordPress for a, uh, for a six month campaign and forget to shut it down at the end of the campaign. You know, it's almost like when we deploy resources in the cloud, we should deploy them with expiration dates, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the socks analogy is fantastic because that's exactly what happens to uh, uh, to a lot of accounts or cloud accounts. Uh, obviously, most large customers have multiple cloud accounts. Uh, some of them are for production service. Some of them are for more ephemeral and ad hoc stuff. But over time, we definitely see this proliferation of people creating, you can say, one-time or ad hoc or ephemeral workloads and then forgot about them. And, and also, the, the sad reality is most people don't spend enough time thinking about like security policies and access controls for a lot of these ad hoc uh, workloads. Um, so when you leave them out there for expanded period of time, and those workloads are just floating, kind of in, in, in the kind of the void between the different spotlights, they they do cause um, uh, additional security risks and one like very common mistake is obviously when somebody spins something up, it's very easy if that asset they just spun up is accessible from public internet and has ability to reach out to any uh, destination on the public internet, right? It's a hu human, you can say nature that we want to make things easy for ourselves, but that kind mm -hmm. of security policy where it's accepting traffic from public internet and has no egress, um, restrictions at all is very dangerous and imposes a lot of risk, not only to that specific asset, but also to any other asset that asset is reachable to. Yeah, I, I know really smart security people who've, who've, you know, said, yeah, I know this isn't this isn't the proper way to do it, but I, I'm going to turn it off at the end of the week anyway. <laughs> and it doesn't get turned yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, we're, we're good at fooling ourselves that way. But um, no, I, I, I think that's a good topic or, or a good point to uh, to kind of wrap things up on. 
is just the, um, you know, again, it comes comes back to that visibility, that situ- situational awareness of what's actually running in, in your environment, you know, and, uh, you know, ha- having good knowledge of that and, um, you know, may- maybe putting some expiration dates on things. <laughs> I, I really want to see that as an AWS feature. You know, I'm sure you, you could do it as a tag, maybe, you know, put an expiration yep. date on something. Yeah. I think that, that but it's be tricky because cool people will keep renewing it, right? Yeah, uh, every no, six months right. you get an email like, "Do you really want this?" And you're like, "Hey, I already yeah. forgot what that asset is." So I'm say, "I'm going to reply, <laughs> yes, I really want this." Uh, I, right. I personally know I'm liable to some of those behaviors as well. Yeah, because they'll they'll get forty of them at once because they'll set them all up at once, and they won't have time to look through each one of the forty. So they'll just like, yep. "Yeah, continue, continue, continue." Yes, you're right. Yes. Ah, oh, well, (laughs) Edward, thank you so much for joining us on Enterprise Security Weekly today. This was a really fun conversation. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. Make sure you visit securityweekly.com forward slash extra hop to learn more about spending more quality time with your cloud workloads and understanding them better. We'll be right back in a few moments with the weekly enterprise news. (laughs) 